Welcome to Lumpen' Week in Review, the show that covers the past week of news, happenings, and programs presented on Lumpen' Radio. This week, we discussed how populism has been hijacked by the far right, hear new music from our city, and discuss a surprising sports season in Chicago. All this plus the Trump Diaries, Size Matters, and AWCYFM, only on the Lumpen' Week in Review for October 23, 2020. Chuck Mertz chatted with author Thomas Frank about his new book, The People Know, A History of Anti-Populist Sentiment in America. Frank, who gained attention for his groundbreaking study, What's the Matter with Kansas, discusses how populism actually led to the downfall of the Gilded Age robber barons, but has been corrupted by the extreme right in the modern era. This is Hell airs Sundays at 10 a.m. When we think populism, we have been trained to think tyranny. Yet, that has nothing to do with what populism was meant to be. Here to help us understand what anti-populism is all about, what populism was intended to be, and why there has been an over-hundred-year campaign to demonize anything that is the will of the people, despite this supposedly being a democracy. Yeah, he's going to do all of that. Thomas Frank is author of The People Know, A Brief History of Anti-Populism. Welcome back to This Is Hell, Thomas. Chuck. It's so great to be here in this very, very hot seat. (laughs) So listen, the last time I talked to you was in 2018. I think this is the longest that we have not talked in maybe 20 years. And you told me because you had just finished. uh, We were talking to you about uh, Rendezvous with Oblivion. Oblivion. Yeah, we got there, didn't we? Yes, we did. And uh, you said you were working (laughs) on a history of anti-populism at that time. So congratulations on getting this work done in less than 18 months. Pretty impressive, my friend. It, yeah, well, you know, thank you. That is very nice of you. It took about two years to write. And, you know, I didn't plan on, on, on it coming out during uh, the COVID epidemic, of course. That, that was kind of a surprise. And it's, it's really thrown my plans. It's really screwed everything up. You know, I used to, you know, because for me, the sort of um, doing stuff in the mainstream media is, is off the table. And so the only way I can, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, let the world know that I have a, a book is to show up in person, you know, at their neighborhood bookstore. And uh, th- I can't do that anymore. So even C-SPAN, you're not on that book show on C-SPAN anymore? <laughs> uh, not that I know of, unless they, if uh I, I would know it if I had been on there, but I, no, I was not. So you write that populism was the first of America's great economic uprisings, a roar of outrage from people in the lower half of the country's social order. It was a quintessential mass movement in which rank-and-file Americans came to think of the country's inequitable system as a thing they might change by common effort. It was a glimpse of how citizens of a democracy born with a faith in equality can sometimes react when the brutal hierarchy of conventional arrangements is no longer tolerable to them. But of today, you point out, Government of the people, when we open the door to ordinary people, let them actually influence what goes on, they will insist we make bigotry and persecution into our great national causes. Government by the people, when we let the people have their say, unmanaged, uncurated, some large part of them will choose the biggest blowhard on TV to be our leader, and then they will cheer for him as he destroys the environment and cracks down on migrant families. That is not the faith in equality that populism, it was believed, depended upon. What does it say about democracy in the U.S. today when populism seems to be fueled more by a desire for inequality, for bigotry, and not for equality and respect? Oh, my God, Chuck. <laughs> you're, you're running rings around me here. Would you, would you stop it? <laughs> uh, where do you want me to begin here? Where do you want me to begin? So that was, that last passage that you wrote, that's me trying to ventriloquize or, or speak in the voice of 
are sort of modern day anti-populists, but you don't, you don't need me. That's just the very, the first few paragraphs of the book. You don't, and frankly, Chuck, you don't need me to do that. All you have to do is go turn on, you know, um, CNN or open up the New York times or the New Yorker or whatever the Atlantic, you know, whatever the hell it is. Uh, and you'll see that exact, uh, uh, attitude, that emotion expressed, um, you know, the, the, the sort of, uh, well, by the way, the Republicans do it too. Everybody is afraid of the, uh, you know, of the people of we, the people, everybody's, you know, thinks that there's anarchy just beneath the surface. Um, there's all, just this, you know, you're, you're asking earlier, what are we going to be deranged about next? <laughs> oh my God, we're going to be deranged about we, the people forever. So how does populism differ from democracy? Are they both the will of the people? How does populism fall short of being democracy? How does democracy fall short of being populism? So, you know, they're, they're, populism is an American left-wing tradition. It's not, uh, it's not a synonym for democracy. It's, although it has been, it's been used as such, and, and we'll, we'll come back to that in a minute, but it, populism started, the word was coined by a, uh, you know, members of a left-wing third-party movement, actually in my home state of Kansas. Do you remember, Chuck, all these times I've been on your show, and we've always talked about things going on in Kansas, Kansas this, Kansas that. Well, this is one of the few things that Kansas did right. Kansas invented the word populism with some guys on a train in the year 1891, and they were trying to come up with a word to describe uh, supporters of this third-party movement that was just getting going at the time. And it was a classic kind of farmer labor party, uh, the populist party. And for a while, it, uh, uh, it you know stomped all over the place, uh, up and down the Great Plains, in the South, out in the West, all over the Midwest. Uh, populism was kind of a big deal in the 1890s. And uh, somewhere along the road, though, well, I, we should put that that question off because it's uh, um, because it you know chronologically, uh, populism doesn't get sort of redefined for uh, you know as as what you said for quite a while, not until like the 1950s. Right, and you point out that the American leadership uh, they they know on some level that what has happened in Washington isn't due to majority rule at all, but it's money and gerrymandering and the electoral college and decades of TV programming decisions. But the anxiety cannot be dislodged; it is beyond the reach of reason. The people are out of control. Why yeah, does there's this all? It's all over the place, Chuck. There's you know commentators that that fear and despise and hate. Uh, you know, uh, we the people and their word for their word to summarize you know our stupidity and why we can't be trusted to rule is populism they've made this a sort of a, a, a word to denote mob rule so why does the right and left why do they both see people out of control and not money and gerrymandering and the electoral college and decades of tv programming well, a lot of them a lot of them do a lot of them uh, no, note that as well i mean like someone like i guess someone like you and me right but um <laughs> But, you know, uh, why do they talk about it that way? Because because there is a you know, there's a long standing um, strain of arrogance. I mean, look, all the stuff about about the liberal elite uh, looking down their noses on people from flyover country. There is a grain of truth to that, as you and I have mentioned many, many, many times. And, you know, I live here in Washington nowadays and I'm here to tell you that it is correct. It is true. Um, and uh 
there is a certain attitude among these people that you know that that uh, uh, ordinary working class people uh, in the hinterlands cannot be trusted to make the right political decision. They've been saying this for for decades, uh, and it's reached it reached fever fever pitch with Donald Trump. Is populism more than mob action? Is populism a step toward looting and killings of peaceful protesters? Are, are two populist <laughs> sides fighting in the streets right now? No, Chuck, there really isn't a populist side uh, in American politics anymore. I mean, the closest that, that you come to it, to this tradition, to the populist tradition, I'm going to I'm going to be a purist about the way the word what the word means, by the way, it, it you know, it 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 refers to people who follow in this sort of left wing tradition of the original populist party. I'm going to be kind of adamant about that. That's what it means. And one of the things that is most remarkable about American politics right now is that you don't have. Uh, either of the two main parties uh, sort of uh, following the populist footsteps. The Democratic Party was once, uh, uh, you know, the, the sort of bearer of the populist tradition, um, famously, you know, nominating William Jennings Bryan to be its presidential candidate uh, just a few miles south of where you are sitting at this very moment, Chuck. It happened in Chicago in 1896, and he had kind of a populist side to him. Uh, Franklin D. Roosevelt was a sort of the great bearer of the populist tradition. Uh, others, you know, Lyndon Johnson had, uh, you know, a distinct populist side to him when he wasn't, you know, bombing North Vietnam or whatever. And uh, uh, there have been other Democrats, but they, but by and large, the Democratic Party turned away from the populist tradition beginning in the 1970s and sort of, uh, uh, you know, uh, for good and for, you know, uh, forever with, with Bill Clinton, Barack Obama, you know, and they became a very different sort of party. But you, so you don't have any kind of, I mean, you, there's a, you know, Bernie Sanders and that sort of thing, but we saw what happened to him. But the, the Republican Party has done, a, and this is another thing that you and I have talked about many times before. The Republican Party has done an incredible job of pretending to be a uh, a kind of populist movement. You know, Donald Trump that referring to himself as or his followers, I should say, referring to him as the blue collar billionaire. All of this outreach that they've done to working class people, all of this class based resentment that they appeal to. They're very, very, very good at it, at pretending to be a farmer labor party that then just by chance uh, never ever delivers <laughs> anything to uh, farmers and workers you know so is is neoliberalism is that is that anti-populist is is democracy inevitably populism and is neoliberalism anti-populist neo Damn it, Chuck! I know. Just uh, <laughs> you, you keep trying to get get me back to this one point. Look, neoliberalism, yes, is anti-populist by its very nature. The whole idea of neoliberalism is uh, government by technocrat. Uh, you know the, that you, you, everything can be managed from Washington D.C. with a couple twists of the knobs. It's all about uh, admiring. You know what's the saying that the, that all the all the Democrats are are repeating now? You got to trust science. Well, that's not. You know they've been saying you have to trust. Ex experts uh, for a long time you know that's that's the whole idea of the democratic party is let these um, experts rule us and everything will be fine and uh, as a matter of fact this has worked out really 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 badly and there's uh, excellent evidence to suggest that uh, rule by 
uh, a certain class of expert is in fact a recipe for disaster. And we talked about that before. That was the sort of message of listen liberal. But uh, the Democrats and the neoliberals more generally can't see that. Uh, they can't uh, see that evidence. They can't understand. Even if you were to explain it to them, it wouldn't make any sense to them. Uh, that's not something that makes sense in their sort of world of meaning. Mario Smith chatted with Jason Goff, the new voice of the Chicago Bulls. Goff discussed the unusually good season Chicago is having on the gridiron, the challenges ahead for a new-look Bulls team, and if both ball clubs in the city can keep up the pace in baseball. News from the service entrance with Mario Smith airs every Thursday at 2. Our first guest, he hosts the pre- and post Chicago Bulls telecast on NBC Sports Chicago. He has been on 65 radio shows today, and now this is Radio Show 66. Ladies and gentlemen, my friend, and a really good, a better dude than he is a broadcaster, and he's a great broadcaster, is Jason Goff. <laughs> what up, Jason? My guy, man. It's been too long. How you feeling, bro? You know, you know, chilling. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a, a once-a-year on-air check-in. <laughs> <laughs> I either see you here or I see you at the Timbuktu party, and I don't yeah. know. I don't know if that's happening this year or not. But uh, no, no, no. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, hell, the, the looks of it, the news we got today, ain't nothing happening. Yeah, there's that. Got to talk about that <laughs> later on. Um, yep. First of all, always a pleasure, man, and I, I'm going to get it out of the way. One of the dopest dudes you'll ever meet in your life, and his son is about to <laughs> steal the title from him. <laughs> this little boy is the freshest little kid I have ever seen in my life. Oh, man, he is um, he's a handful, man. He is, you know, you're you talking about for everybody who's listening, my man, Chase. Is, yeah. um, he, is, he is the light, bro. Like he's, Yeah. He's everything. Yeah, he's everything that I, that, that I need in 
some of the things that I want sometimes, but he's everything that I need, man. I appreciate you shouting him out. Absolutely. I, I remember the first day I met him when you were like, man, I'm up at the promontory. Come up here real quick. And I, I came. I wasn't expecting the kid to be there. And I'm yeah, like, wow. Yeah, 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 it was the crew that day. That's right. It, yeah, it, is, uh, yeah. it is really cool to see his his wonderful development and just how he is really like on top of stuff. That's funny. Yeah, it's cool. I like come come babysit this dude. Y'all, I got everybody, you. Everybody, I got everybody, you. Everybody keeps talking about how cool he is yeah. and how the development. I'm like, y'all don't see y'all don't see what happened when he don't get a peanut butter and jelly on time. Let like, me tell you, on, man. he and I share a lot of those similarities. I'd love to babysit. Him. <laughs> That ain't no problem for me. I'll do it. Hey, man, I'm, I'm making a list, you know. I'm making a list. <laughs> definitely, you know, Uncle Mario, definitely going to be on it. On the move, I will get there. Um, there is so much happening in the world, and I know that you, you've you been doing a bunch of shows today, so I'm not going to take up nah, a terrible man, amount of your time. That's what I've been looking forward to the most. My man. Most, huh? So, look, before we get into all the sportsy sports, this world that we are currently uh, habitats of living in um, <laughs> is if this isn't the upside down, I really am not sure what, what qualifies as being the upside down. Um, right. And particularly for people in positions of power, it has, it has turned from normalcy to like, oh, you know what? What's going to happen today? Every day there's a new level of yeah. idiocy. Tonight's yeah. debate will, will actually confirm my point. And I said on yeah. Twitter a little while ago, I'm asking people what's the over-under on Trump pulling out a Mr. Microphone when they mute his mic just so that he can <laughs> keep talking. <laughs> or walk, uh, or walk, over, walk over to another mic and just, like, hey. <laughs> and just start talking. Go over to right. the moderator's table, push her out the right, way and start right, talking. Right. Um, right. <laughs> I'm, I'm, as you see it, and you you get a chance to see a lot, a lot more yeah. than most. As yeah. you see it, man, where 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 should we be, and where are we? I think are, are my two, my first couple of questions. Uh, I mean, for me, you know, and this is like all anecdotal and local, but you know, where we should be uh, is always the same. Like we should always take care of each other, and where we are is we're not taking care of each other. And we haven't taken care of each other as much as we should. And now it's starting to show in the moments where it's like, you know, like it's like a bill is due and scraping it together all month is different than scraping it together the night before. Right. And I think the bill is due. And for a lot of Americans, you know, a lot of people look like they're scraping together the night before, man. And it's, it's tough because... Once you ask for 60, 70, 50, 80, however, however many years you have been on this earth as a person of color or a woman or a minority, I mean, hell, for that instance, a white man, like, all you're doing is borrowing time and competing against time. And to see how, how brazenly we don't take care of each other is disheartening. But it also leaves room for the work and... If, if there's work to do, the work has got to get through it. So, you know, I, I, I answered, like, I had a conversation with a young man last weekend uh, and terribly, terribly uncomfortable and low-key miserable and mm. going through a lot. And you can see he's wearing it. He's like 21. And I'm like, bro, you don't have the kids yet. You don't have the career yet. You don't have any of the things that you're going to have to load up with those worries yet, and you're already worried about it 
because of the state that we're in. Right. And he he was he was definitely on the nobody's for me. Uh, I'm not voting, and if I was voting, I'd vote for Trump. And this is a young black man. Oh wow. And and I, yeah, and I, I broke it down to him like, yo, listen, I'm not gonna try to change your vote. You know, like if if you want to vote for somebody and that's who you want to vote for, knock yourself out. But I will tell you this: um, find out what you're doing. Right, yeah. and it, it stems back to taking care of yourself, because taking care of others and taking care of yourself, you know that should be that should be optimal. That's the that's the point. If you find out and research and be like, oh yeah, I'm still going to do this, then I, I can't. You you are part of the process, right? You are part of whatever it is that we call the process. You are part of it. But to to say, uh, well, I'm done. There's a lot of dudes and a lot of ladies out there who feel like the the country and the world is kind of given up on them already so screw it yeah. and with that screw it mentality we don't see like we don't see the change far off enough so we're like uh i've been i've been screwed over so much why should i care now and i told him i'm like man listen as a young black man i'm like dude the the people that are getting ready to lead the party that you uh don't know enough about maybe it, are the people who you know look like your mom and look like your sister Right, right. Black black women, uh, two years ago, bombarded, <laughs> and, and women of color, bombarded the 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 political uh, ecosphere with their presence. And now these same women are running, and the faces of these parties are getting ready to change. So I, you know, I tried to hip them to, hey, one, people died for your right to do this, and you need to understand how important that is, and two. I'm not trying to sway you either way because that's everybody else's job. I'm gonna tell you how I feel about it, <laughs> right. and I'm gonna tell you what you should be doing in turn. Because I had to get hip to it too, man. I was the dude who walked in there like, "Oh, this judge, all right, sounds like the name might be aligned with what I'm down with." You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. I, I was a very irresponsible voter, bro. Yeah, and yeah, I was too. Super irresponsible. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, Delgado, sound like he on my team. Let's right. run, right? right? right. And, then, right. and then, and then, and then, what this last four years have shown me, like. Hey, you know, all your skin folk and your kin folk. Hell, these last 10 years have shown me that. Right. Right? So right. it's like, figure out who has your best interest in mind. And also, if you're voting differently, and my father used to tell me uh, when I was a kid, like, I should vote a certain way because of, you know, the strides I've made in my career. But I also understand that there's going to be some other immigrants coming from Belize or Honduras or Guatemala or Mexico who have the same dream that I had. And I want to make sure that they are resourced and have tools so that another Jason or another family like mine can happen. You know what I mean? And that's the way I look at it. Like, we don't, we don't catch these blessings just to keep them for ourselves, right? So, um, and dude, like, it goes back to me taking care of, taking care of people, mm-hmm. right? If you've if you got your situation under control, which is hard enough in these days and times, and not many of us do, hell, I don't, you can also look outward and say, why is this person feeling the way this person is feeling? And I think all this happened is in, a, in, a, in an age that's increasingly cool to be uninformed or informed by the things that confirm your bias, um, it's very easy to feel disenfranchised and then either that not get involved or get involved in something that doesn't have your best interest in mind. So yeah. I, don't try to, I don't try to sway my people anymore. It's just I, I put together my synopsis and then i try to figure out yours because i tell you this now mario when poor white people poor black people poor uh you know latinx people poor asian people poor whoever in this country understand 
that there really isn't much separation in between them, <laughs> then 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 the powers then the powers that be will actually have to tend to it. Uh, we got to a point where you know poor white people felt like they didn't have as much in common with poor black people as they actually do, yeah. uh, just simply because of them not being black. And I, I I think if this last four years didn't teach you that you don't have much, that much difference than the poor black person who is you know on the other side of town. Um, then I don't know what will. So you just got to keep trying to take care of each other, man. Size matters, size matters. Cliff Kyle Seismankowski. Right, I have to be real quiet. It's 3.45 on Tuesday morning, and I'm pilfering food and stuff from the GoPro. I'm pretty good at knowing exactly... Uh, I'm pretty good at knowing exactly where to step, but I don't want to wake no one up. Last time I tried to do this, I, I almost got... Oh, who's that? What the... Who the heck would be knocking around this time of night? See, you can't just do this blind. You mustn't, like, plot your course in the dark. You have to know what you want and where it is before you take it. Was that? Alright. Alright, here we go. And what do I want here? This, I want the nacho cheese to reap. Oh, what was that? There's something in here with me, whatever it is. I, it's gone. Okay, I gotta make this quick. Alright. Alright. I got the chips. Next time I list is salsa. Here we go. Alright, let's see now. I need... Let's check the ice box. Uh, really. oh, oh, it's ice cube! Oh. Ah! Oh. My bad. Get off me! Get off me! Oh, oh my, oh, my face! Oh, my beautiful face! This got scratched! Oh. Oh. I gotta get to the closet. I get the... right. I'm in the closet. I think a very small humanoid creature with blades for hands was stabbing me. If I don't make it, this will be my last will and testament. I gotta find a way out of here. It's in here with me. Yeah, I gotta get the light. <laughs> Come on out, you coward. Here it comes. I can see his teeth shining in the shadows. Oh, it's Dash. Jamie's cat friend. <laughs> you sure are a watchdog here, buddy, aren't you? Sorry I scared you. Take my chips and salsa and be on my way. Dash, what the fuck is your problem? These are my chips, Dash. You can't have them. You can't have my chips. All right, all right, take the chips. All right. Yoink, those are my chips. You can't have my chips. <laughs> Whoa! Oh. Take your stupid chips, Dash. 
You foiled my plans for the last time, Dash. Mark my words, you won't defeat me. Mark my words. This week on the Trump Diaries, Trump balks at disavowing QAnon as he tumbles further in the polls. The second pandemic wave hits the U.S. as Trump says people are sick of the experts. Rudy Giuliani is under investigation by the FBI. Trump tells the Department of Justice to arrest Joe Biden. Republicans warn of a bloodbath. Will our long national nightmare end? These are the Trump Diaries. Day 1366, October 16th. Trump and Joe Biden held dueling town halls yesterday that looked as if they'd aired on different planets. In a combative and fact-free hour, Trump withered under pointed questioning from NBC's Savannah Guthrie, who at one point referred to him as a crazy uncle. In the most explosive moment of the night, Trump refused to disavow the QAnon conspiracy. Trump claimed to have no knowledge of the group and as a result could not disavow it, but then demonstrated specific knowledge of one of its core theories involving pedophilia that of course is entirely false. Quote, I know nothing about it. I do know they are very much against pedophilia. They fight it very hard. Trump also implicitly confirmed he owes $400 million to someone, refusing to say who, and insisting that he is in fact underlevered. He also refused to say whether he had tested negative for coronavirus on the day of his first debate, saying, quote, I probably did, possibly I did, possibly I didn't. Trump did commit to a peaceful transition of power if he isn't re-elected. Guthrie also called out Trump for sharing false conspiracy theories relating to the death of Osama bin Laden. You're the president, said a clearly exasperated Guthrie. You're not someone's crazy uncle who can retweet whatever. In contrast, Biden gave a sober policy presentation and expressed regret for some of his work in a 1990s crime bill. Biden continues to lead Trump by double digits in polling. Trump also appeared at a rally in Pennsylvania where he begged for support, saying, quote, Can I ask you to do me a favor, suburban women? Will you please like me? Please. Please. I saved your damn neighborhood, okay? At least three people connected to Biden's presidential campaign tested positive for COVID-19. Kamala Harris's communications director Liz Allen and a member of the flight crew on a recent campaign trip tested positive. Harris was not in what the CDC describes as close contact with either person. The U.S. is racing toward a new viral peak. Cases have roared up in 41 states. 17 states are seeing surges unlike anything they experienced earlier in the pandemic. Alaska, Minnesota, Montana, and Wisconsin all have reported more new cases during a seven-day stretch than in any other week since COVID arrived in our country. Overall, the U.S. now has more than 8 million cases. Unemployment also surged in the USA with 900,000 new claims this week as Senate Republicans again refused to take up pandemic aid legislation. White House negotiators have proposed a $1.8 trillion relief package that lacks support in the Senate. Trump said Thursday he wanted one that was even bigger and claimed bizarrely that China would pay for it. 8 million people in the U.S. have also slipped into poverty due to the pandemic. Republicans also began to back away from Trump. Ben Sass, the senator of Nebraska, accused Trump of bungling his response to the pandemic, of cozying up to dictators and white supremacists, and offending voters so broadly as to cause what he called a Republican bloodbath in the Senate. He predicted Republicans would face steep repercussions for having backed Trump so staunchly. Day 1367, October 17th. 
Trump denied California's request for disaster relief aid related to six major wildfires. FEMA claimed the request did not meet the threshold requirements for aid. Trump said the request for a major disaster declaration was rejected because it was not supported by the relevant data. In fact, in August and September, five of the six biggest fires in nearly 90 years of recorded history occurred in the state. A federal judge asked the White House counsel to confirm Trump's tweeted claim that he classified all records relating to the Russia investigation and Hillary Clinton's emails. Both the White House and the Justice Department have argued in court that the tweets didn't declassify the records, saying officials never received an order from Trump or from Attorney General William Barr. BuzzFeed and The New York Times have sued filing FOI requests citing Trump's tweets. Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer accused Trump of inciting domestic terrorism against public officials who were working to contain the coronavirus one day after Trump encouraged rally-goers who were chanting, lock her up. Trump senior campaign advisor Lara Trump defended Trump's rhetoric, claiming, quote, he was just having fun at a Trump rally. In a related story, a 59-year-old man has been arrested on suspicion of threatening to kidnap and kill Wichita, Kansas Mayor Brandon Whipple over his frustrations with that city's mask ordinance. The messages contain, quote, a very descriptive plan of execution, including locating the mayor, slitting his throat, hanging him, and turning him into fertilizer, according to the FBI. Pfizer said it would not apply for emergency authorization for its coronavirus vaccine until late November. Pfizer said the company may know whether its vaccine is effective by the end of October, but will not have acquired the required FDA safety data until the end of November. Trump has repeatedly and falsely claimed a vaccine would be available before the election. The Transportation Department is to use and enforce a presidential memo calling for punishing anarchist jurisdictions when deciding what cities should get safety grants. Trump claims Seattle, Portland, and New York City, quote, permitted anarchy for their handling of protests in response to the killing of George Floyd, racial injustice, and Trump. And the U.S. Postal Service has agreed to reverse all changes that slowed mail service nationwide. A suit filed against Postmaster General Louis DeJoy and the Post Office was brought by Montana Governor Steve Bullock, arguing that the changes implemented in June harm access to mail services in his state. The Post Office agreed to reverse all changes to settle that lawsuit. Day 1368, October 18th. U.S. intelligence services have warned the White House multiple times that alleged lawyer Rudy Giuliani was the target of a Russian influence operation. U.S. intelligence also warned in written material sent to Trump that Giuliani was communicating with known Russian assets. And National Security Advisor Robert O'Brien briefed Trump in person that any info Giuliani brought back from Ukraine should be considered contaminated. Trump reportedly shrugged his shoulders, dismissed the concern, and said, that's Rudy. Giuliani is behind alleged correspondence from Hunter Biden that, as published this week by the New York Post, claims it comes from Biden's own laptop and was provided to Giuliani and Stephen Bannon. Intriguingly, social media accounts tied to a Chinese billionaire and a Bannon backer promoted a leak of Biden's, quote, hard disk leak weeks before those New York Post stories. The story, which the Post presented as a smoking gun tying the younger Biden to his father, is being investigated now by the FBI as linked to a foreign intelligence operation. The FBI seized that laptop and a hard drive through a grand jury subpoena. The New York Post claims the emails were allegedly found on a laptop brought to a computer repair shop in Delaware. The repair shop owner took it upon himself to access the private material when nobody claimed the laptop. That story and the shop owner's shifting public explanations did not add up. The author of the Post story refused to have his own name attached to it. 
Instead, the Post article had the byline of Emma Jo Morris, a former producer for Sean Hannity, who had never previously had a byline attributed to her. The other author of the story, named as Gabrielle Funrouge, only learned after publication that the piece carried her byline. She apparently had no part in it at all. Trump reversed its denial of California's request for disaster relief related to six wildfires. FEMA had previously said the request did not meet the threshold for aid. And a federal judge has blocked Trump's plan to strip food stamps from nearly 700,000 jobless Americans, calling it arbitrary and capricious, saying in her ruling the Agriculture Department had been, quote, icily silent about how many Americans would have been denied SNAP benefits had the changes been in effect during the pandemic. Chief Justice Beryl Howell called the move in a scathing ruling a radical and abrupt alteration of decades of regulatory practice. Day 1,369, October 19th. The pandemic is now rebounding hard in the United States. The upper Midwest is seeing uncontrolled infections, while the daily average caseload in America is well over 60,000. Meanwhile, Trump spent the day attacking infectious disease experts, claiming that people were tired of hearing about the virus and just wanted to be left alone. Falsely claiming his own coronavirus task force got it wrong, Trump then slandered Dr. Anthony Fauci as a disaster, saying, quote, every time he goes on television, there's always a bomb, but there's a bigger bomb if you fire him. Trump's comments came one day after Fauci said he was absolutely not surprised that Trump contracted COVID-19 after seeing him on TV in, quote, a completely precarious situation with almost nobody wearing a mask. Those attacks led more Republicans to distance themselves from Trump. Trump followed up his comments at a rally by claiming, quote, you turn on CNN, that's all they cover. COVID, COVID, pandemic, COVID, COVID. They're trying to talk people out of voting. Trump also claimed that Biden would, quote, follow the science as if that was a bad thing, leading Biden to tweet a clip of Trump's statement with an ellipsis and the word yes. Separately, Trump's campaign appeared to be laying the groundwork to back out of the final debate, claiming bias in a letter to the debate commission. In what was described as a screed, Trump's campaign accused the commission on presidential debates of pro-Biden antics and demanded changes to the format. Bill Stepien falsely claimed that debate organizers had promised the debate would be about foreign policy rather than fighting COVID-19, American families, race in America, climate change, national security, and leadership. Stepien said the commission had turned, quote, the entire debate season into a fiasco. Trump's re-election campaign also announced a $55 million advertising blitz for the final two weeks of the race in a string of battleground states. The Health and Human Services Department's general counsel warned that Trump's mooted plan to give seniors $200 discount cards to buy prescription drugs could violate election law. Robert Charles said the timing and design of the $7.9 billion plan should invite legal challenges over the use of federal funds so close to an election. The Supreme Court said it would hear two challenges to major planks of Trump's immigration policies. The first addresses the Remain in Mexico program, which has forced at least 60,000 asylum seekers to wait in Mexico while their requests are heard. A lower court has blocked that, saying it violates international law. The second sees Trump attempt to use $2.5 billion in Pentagon money to build a southern border wall. A lower court has also blocked that on the grounds that only Congress can approve the use of funds. The Justice Department said that Trump cannot be sued personally for having denied a rape allegation because he made the statement while acting in his official capacity as president. Lawyers for the Department of Justice made that argument as they defended Attorney General William Barr's decision to intervene in a defamation lawsuit filed in court against Trump by the writer E. Jean Carroll. Carroll has said that Trump raped her in an apartment store two decades ago and then falsely denied the attack. This maneuver, if approved by a judge, would have the practical effect of dismissing Carroll's lawsuit because government employees enjoy immunity from most defamation claims. 
Carroll's lawyers responded in court papers by saying, quote, there is not a single person in the U.S., not the president and not anyone else, whose job description includes slandering women they sexually assaulted. Day 1370, October 20th. Trump called on his attorney general to take action against his political opponent, Joe Biden, over Hunter Biden's foreign work. Quote, we've got to get the attorney general to act, Trump said on Fox News. He's got to act and he's got to act fast. This is major corruption and this has to be known about before the election. And by the way, we're doing very well. We're going to win. Trump cited unproven allegations about Biden that the FBI says is the work of a Russian disinformation campaign. Trump's call to take action against a political opponent is remarkable. Trump has repeatedly called Biden a criminal and a crime boss. And despite progress in a deal between House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and the White House, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has reportedly told Trump not to make a deal before the election. McConnell reportedly said a deal could complicate the timing of Amy Coney Barrett's confirmation to the Supreme Court. Worth noting is the House has already twice passed relief bills that McConnell has refused to take to the Senate floor. The Justice Department has accused six Russian military intelligence officers of an aggressive worldwide hacking campaign that attacked the French presidential election, the electricity grid in Ukraine, and the opening ceremony of the Winter Olympics. Prosecutors said these suspects are from the same unit that helped distribute stolen Democratic emails during the 2016 election. The number of daily coronavirus infections reported in the U.S. grew again, with an indicator suggesting cases have been rising for more than two weeks. The U.S. has recorded almost 300,000 excess deaths, a marker that the toll of pandemic is far worse than reported. The Justice Department accused Google of maintaining an illegal monopoly over search and search advertising. This is America's most significant legal challenge to a tech company's market power in over a generation. The DOJ specifically cited Google's payment of billions of dollars to Apple to place the Google search engine as default for iPhones. William Barr personally headed up the suit and pressed for it to come out before the election over objections from career prosecutors. Trump has insisted baselessly that Google censors conservative views. And the CDC has issued new guidelines that all passengers and workers on planes, trains, buses, and public transport wear masks to control the spread of the pandemic. The recommendations fall short of the CDC's previously drafted orders that would have required masks on all forms of public transportation. Transportation industry leaders and union leaders lobbied for that. It was personally blocked by Trump. Day 1371, October 21st. Trump has been revealed to hold a bank account in China. Tax records showed a previously unreported bank account in the country controlled by Trump International Hotels Management paid $188,561 in taxes to China between 2013 and 2015 in connection with potential licensing deals. Trump paid just $750 in U.S. taxes during that same time period. Trump invested at least $192,000 in five companies charged with pursuing business deals in China. Those companies also claimed nearly $100,000 in business expenses. Trump abruptly ended an interview at the White House with 60 Minutes reporter Leslie Stahl and then taunted the veteran journalist. Quote, I am pleased to inform you that for the sake of accuracy and reporting, I'm considering posting my interview with Stahl of 60 Minutes prior to airtime. This will be done so that everybody can get a glimpse of what a fake and biased interview is all about. He called the interview a terrible electoral intrusion. Trump also posted a short video making light of Stahl for not wearing a mask while talking briefly with producers for the show at the White House. 
Trump wasn't happy that Stahl asked him tough questions regarding his rhetoric about Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer and his handling of the coronavirus pandemic, as well as the size of crowds at his rallies and his disputes with Dr. Anthony Fauci. Stahl also told him during the interview allegations about Biden's son Hunter were not true and that the Obama administration did not spy on the Trump campaign. Many of the questions were about the pandemic and his handling of it. Trump complained about it all day. Aides said Trump overreacted and suggested he actually might boost the ratings of what was a tough interview. Amy Coney Barrett's secretive faith group, the People of Praise, allegedly subjected members to emotional abuse and in at least one case, sexual abuse. The charismatic Christian organization, which is based in Indiana, hired a law firm to conduct an independent investigation into the sexual abuse claims. The allegations do not pertain specifically to Barrett, who has been a lifelong member of the charismatic group or her family. And Rudy Giuliani was filmed in the new Borat film reaching into his pants and apparently touching his genitals while reclining on a bed in the presence of the actor playing Borat's daughter who in the skit was posing as a TV journalist. Giuliani was also taped drinking scotch, flirting, and promising to eat a bat with the actress. They are then interrupted by Borat, who ran into the room and says, quote, she's 15, she's too old for you. Day 1372, October 22nd. The third wave of the pandemic is now threatening to overwhelm American cities. 14 states reported their peak COVID-19 hospitalizations in the past week. That includes Iowa, Kansas, Missouri, and Wisconsin. Experts caution we are two weeks away from a major peak based on what Europe is currently facing. Meanwhile, Trump moved to slash millions of dollars for coronavirus relief, HIV treatment, and other health programs in cities that he deemed, quote, anarchist jurisdictions. The DHS identified federal grants for nearly 200 health programs that serve the poorest and sickest residents in New York, Portland, Washington, D.C., and Seattle. Trump has ordered federal agencies to reduce funding to jurisdictions that, quote, disempower police departments and promote lawlessness. Trump also wants to cut funds from any relief for cities, tweeting their, quote, badly run Democrat cities. Iran and Russia both obtained American voter registration data. The Iranians used it to send threatening fake emails to voters aimed at influencing the election. The letters, which were mailed to voters in Alaska and Florida, and claiming to be from the right-wing group the Proud Boys, appeared to be an attempt to sow chaos. Biden and Trump are scheduled to make a final televised face-off tonight. Trump has already attacked the upcoming debate as a stacked deck. Biden's camp has hunkered down. Trump will have his mic muted during this debate in a change that is response forced by the tone of the first debate, one in which he was widely seen to have lost. Trump's Department of Human Services lost track of the parents for 545 migrant children who were separated at the U.S. southern border. Most were deported to Central America without their children. At least 60 children were under the age of five when they were separated. Also, U.S. immigration officers allegedly tortured Cameroonian asylum seekers to force them to sign their own deportation orders. The torture was part of a push to eject African migrants in the run-up to the election. Many of the migrants in a Mississippi detention center refused to sign, fearing death at the hands of Cameroon's government. And the Department of Justice has used an aggressive prosecution of the Americans with Disabilities Act to close 100 polling places in several key swing states. The tactic is unusual as most ADA violations are settled with remediation. Instead, the DOJ appears to have used the ADA to close polling places disproportionately in communities of color. 62% of voters say the country is on the wrong track. Biden leads Trump 54 to 43 among likely voters. Trump has contributed just $8,000 to his own campaign. In 2016, Trump was reported to have contributed $66 million of his own money to his first presidential bid. These are the Trump Diaries.
Uh, the song I'm about to play now, Brand New Music, Brand New Music. It's Cahill Elzebar's America the Beautiful. The album comes out tomorrow. <laughs>
Now, Rowan, did you did you have a change in heart about the importance of 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 sort of any masks uh, uh, during this time? Well, I do. I will make it clear that I have never specifically stated that I have an issue with masks or mask wearing as a means of uh, disease reduction, disease spread reduction, because um, that's un- unscientific. It is not backed up by science. There is some evidence that shows that masks are effective in preventing the spread of mallow 21 as well as other airborne diseases. Mm-hmm. My only point was is that it maybe should not be the first thing individuals rely on when there are things such as um, herbal nose plugs or essential oils uh, that can be placed above on the upper lip and around the mouth. Um, I'm, I'm just saying that there are other there are alternatives out there that that maybe have less documented effectiveness, but anecdotally and and uh, from uh, results from outcomes shows mm. promise. So and and you're saying that these you're you're putting these against uh, Tech Brothers masks, which we talked about last week about the importance of specifically Tech Brothers masks, which have sort of anti-disease uh, functionalities to the masks besides just. Uh, sort, of, sort of a protective layer between you and an airborne sickness. Um, you're putting these, uh, you're comparing these and putting these against uh, uh, oil nose plugs? Um, uh, essential oil, lip balms, mm. um, herbal nose plugs. But that's not, th- th- those are not what we are here to discuss. And and what we're here to discuss is, is that the fact that um, many of these masks that Tech Brothers included, the materials that they are made from, uh, m- are made from petrochemicals, so we were looking for alternatives to petrochemicals. And the first thing that that me and my my, my peers and I were discussing was um, hemp was the first thing that came to mind mm, because yeah, hemp does so sure, much. Yeah, it does so much. It's such a um, a universal fabric. But ultimately, working with um, the loom we have at the facility and the numerous mm. uh, perf- uh, textile researchers that I mean we, how we did have. you even how, yeah how could you even reserve the loom for even an hour at the Spirit Sciences Institute well what we found was is that um, it has great inertness and in- intrinsic healing properties um, the thread count it was hard to find a good thread count that both had proper filtration mm. and allowed uh, people to not experience asphyxiation so we that, set this that is to an aside. issue that we found as well. Yeah. We set that aside. The next one we investigated was um, leaves, uh, certain varieties of leaves, both leaves, uh, leaves correct, um, from a plant, uh, both dried and fresh. We had some very promising results with Brugmansia, um, mm. but ultimately there was a durability issue and the um, psychotropic effects were just too much to overcome, constantly breathing Brugmansia fumes. But ultimately, what we did settle on, um, and and we believe this to be actually a breakthrough, um, is uh, the perfect material for for masks, mm. um, but also clothing, perhaps as a whole. Um, all a wide swath of the textile market. It was durable, it was breathable, it was all natural, and it was capable of extremely rigorous sterilization. Uh, far more rigorous sterilization than and people are accustomed to with their clothes of course, what, yes. what, what we settled on of course was many materials f- was fiberglass fiberglass the lump and weekend review is produced by the staff and volunteers of wlpn lp chicago the community radio of the future
The Week in Review is overseen by Jamie Trecker, voiceovers by Shannon Van Volt, additional production by Cole Eisenberg, Julie Wu, Sergio Rodriguez, Neil Gaynor, Lane Gerbig, Alexander Jerry, John Piotrowski, Ari Shellist, and Annie Klein. Live music production by Ari Shellist. The Lumpen theme, background, and interstitial music is by Mike Perkins. The Lumpen radio sting is by Dan Jugal. For more information on Lumpen Radio, visit lumpenradio.com. Thank you.